take you right back in time, back to the playground where you're swapping games with your pals, you know, you're begging your mum, can I get a new game, can I rent a game, not this week son, sorry, how are you going to do it, you're going to go into school and swap with somebody, you might get a new experience, you might get a, an appreciation for an old game that you've given away, or best of all, you might get a new friend, there you go guys, speaking of friends, to my left, We've got the East End of Greenock's favourite computer programmer, <laughs> Mr. Michael McCormick. How's it going? And to my right, a man with a long and intimate history with Sonic the Hedgehog, Mr. Andy Mack. Thank you. <clears throat> you want to try that a bit louder for us, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I, I, I didn't mean lower. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but anyway, boys, how's it going? Not bad, mate. Not nah, bad it's going well. Yeah. What's been up to this week? Ah, oh, well... Up what, what you been up to this week in retro? What you been playing? What you been fucking with? Other than, of course, what we are going to be delving into shortly. Well, um, I was stuck on Master Belch, man. Master Belch, and Master Belch, of course, yeah. Earthbound. Uh, why don't you tell the listeners uh, what happened with Master Belch there? Yeah, um, I went down to Wales about a month and a half ago. My wee misses. Uh, hi Lauren, how you doing? Love you, him. And a wee baby, AJ. Shout out to AJ. Shout out to AJ. Man, he's a retro gamer in the making. Yeah. Uh, aye, so, anyways, I bought a NES Classic. No, oh, sorry, I thought they were good. Correct. That's NES Classic. Mm. And it's probably the best thing I've ever done in my life. <laughs> I've always wanted to play Earthbound, man. My colleagues always tell me how good Mother 3 is. And I'm going to play that soon. But Earthbound, which is the second in the series, I believe. Yeah. Uh, has been absolutely fantastic, man. I'm 12 years into it, and it's like the best acid trip. I don't even have it on a lot. Here we go. But I hope Master Belch, who's one of the bosses. Yes, he he's uh, uh, he's like a he's like a sentient uh, puddle of sick. Aye, <laughs> yeah. so anyways, uh, Master Belch, man. There was a wee thing you had to do. He's got a lot of HP. He's got a lot of HP. So he's, you're never going to take him out with just your normal. Attack your PSI, you know, you're kind of pissing in the wind. But <laughs> <laughs> <So laughs> you might want to take it for here and see how you beat. Well, uh, what happened was uh, that we got to McCormick's gaff, who's very kindly let us record here. Yep. Um, and Andy plugs in a SNES Mini and he goes, Oh, fuck, right, you're here. How do you beat Master Belch? And I fucking smoked that full, what, inside of like two minutes? <laughs> there we go. Because what you need to do is give him a jar of fly honey. It's a, a key item you get, you get a master belch, and he gets an insatiable, uncontrollable hunger to eat that fly honey, and it lets you fuck him up. And there was, you know, there, there was sort of things in a seat, now that I'm thinking, there was things previously in the game that sort of alluded to that. Did you not think, why have I got this honey? No. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, these are the sort of these are the sort of thoughts that you need to crush your mind when you're playing uh, uh, Um I have just finished up with um, Zelda: Breath of the Wild um, on my um, Nintendo Wii U, which my boss very kindly um, just gave me because he bought it to play Breath of the Wild, and my then he was done with consoles, it. Hi, shout out Des, who is <laughs> like a bigger Final Fantasy fan than probably all of us put together, which is saying something. Um, 
Yeah, Breath of the Wild is absolutely incredible. Um, it's yeah, sort of crafting weapons and shit. I've not played that any Zelda heads anyone out there are fucking raving about it. It very boldly kind of flings out a lot of the stuff maybe you thought you knew about Zelda. Um, yeah, you've got a whole big open world thing. Um, there's not the same kind of dungeons you would have. Um, there's kind of wee mini dungeons called shrines and there is four kind of big ones inside these like living creatures which are actually quite different for the Zelda standard dungeons as well because it's all kind of interconnected it's not really one room um, oh. yeah it's like just it's open world it's beautiful um, like all the wee kind of just amazing details like the physics engine is incredible you can do such cool things you can light the ground with fire and then you can put your kite on and you f- the updraft ties up in there and then you hit somebody with an arrow in midair and it slows down oh it's amazing and I could talk about it for hours. Right, what I'm wondering with these things and Final Fantasy 15 as well, right? How they've made everything sort of open world and mm. been like, so Skyrim happened, and then as every cunt just kind of been like, oh, let's do a bit of Skyrim, just put you in a world and go, go for it. We're not, we're not gonna was it railroad to use yeah. a I would say yeah, the kind of the, the the one that seems to have kind of inspired <clears throat> most things is your kind of Assassin's Creed um, model like your Ubisoft open world games they've got a kind of formula now where basically there's a whole big map and there's like wee markers on the map and each wee marker is a wee bit of content a wee collectible or a quest or something and you just kind of go around filling in in the dots Um, but Zelda's kind of not really like that it kind of deliberately makes you kind of find your own way through the world and kind of lets you discover things on your own rather than just kind of checking boxes and it feels much more like an adventure because of that I need to play it I need to play it man well my news is that I've been doing to Blackpool this is a wee bit of a faux pas because I was there last weekend and I've no brought you any rock oh no don't even know if I can you can consider me a friend because (laughs) rockless um, but a fun fact about me I love spooky ghost trains I love roller coasters and I love arcades fun fact about me I used to be in a young team that's how how it's called Dynamite (laughs) Daddy let's get into why this has got a fucking weird name yeah right right. you want to to explain fucking Dynamite yeah Andy Andy came up with it so he should explain that well it all gets fucking back man (laughs) mean mean but you know, as in this podcast, I don't blow your cover. Cormac. <laughs> you can call me, you can call me what you want, I'm not the head of the Zapatistas. I've got it in Sex, not sex. Right, anyways, I have new mix since primary three or something. And yourself. Yep, yep. But I was always That's at Mick's uh, Just a reminder, this podcast is two men called Mick and one guy called Andy. We'll That's do. why I'm being referred yeah. to as McCormick. <laughs> and now everyone knows <laughs> the full context, right? Because people obviously don't know who the fuck we are. I have been okay. Beep! You know what you did? You can see that. Effing and Jeff and 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 Effing and you can so tell this cunt studying sociology. Oh, <laughs> I love it! Yes. <laughs> <laughs> now, all you really had to entertain yourself as a wean was back in your day anyway. Was like your Mega Drive, your SNES, whatever you had. That was all you, you really socialised over. Keep well, for off, us anyway. Keep you off the streets. You had the Star Wars wankers, right? <laughs> Who won't fucking name, but we all fucking know. Vitriol on that there. Fucking Tazzle the kids, man. Uh, just for the record, I collected every Tazo. I'm stuck trying to get the Boba Fett one for fucking ages. <laughs> and I, I got it in a fucking pack of Quavers out of John Menzies. There you go. 
It's funny things that stick in your mind, doesn't it? <laughs> anyways, fucking, I think I met Mickey through uh, swapping a Sonic 2 cheat or something like that. Is that something I, I think you taught me the level select to Sonic 2 and that started uh, our, our friendship. Five nine seventeen, you can join Naka's birthday, which is, by the way, one um. day after mine. <laughs> yes, a wee bit younger, a wee bit younger, a wee bit long in the tooth. But anyways, I met Mick, swapped cheats, and the rest is history. Couple of years later, man, we're fucking shouting and bombing and up the stairs in his room trying to complete Sonic 3, man. Best of days. I'm totally forced my point here, man. <laughs> we're trying <laughs> to explain where the name soul. came from. <laughs> Dynamite and Eddie. Oh, right, aye. <laughs> One of the games, not like really, everybody had a set of games, and most of them were the same, but you had the odd one that people never had. Like, you would have like Dynamite Eddie. It just sticks out. It just sticks out. Aye. You had Zoo as well. You had a couple of games that nobody else had. Yeah. I mean, you get your usual shite, right? Like Sonic 2, Kid Chameleon, and all this carry on. <laughs> no. But he had fucking Dynamite Eddie, man. And I swear to God, I've never played a game like this in my fucking life, right? You're a wee guy, right? You're in a fucking show, right? <laughs> and uh, that's where, that's, that's where uh, my understanding of the. So I'm not at events. Andy uh, told me a fake cheat for Dynamite Heady. Yeah. Andy was Andy was notorious for fake cheats. Fake cheats. But well, do we want to explain where the Neddy part comes from? Is that is yourself? People would be like, oh, it's a bit Neddy, isn't he? Or that Andy Max, a bit Neddy. I'm still a really gay old fucking young team man. I've got a pair of tighties, I'm in a house, I like that. One of fucking hoops. Yeah. That, yeah, that flies. <laughs> uh, and oh, yeah. Hell, hell. I've never done Dominic Diamond in here. <laughs> this podcast, this episode is dedicated to Dominic Diamond. This episode is, and every episode is dedicated to Dominic Diamond. You terrified us. I don't terrified us to fucking death, man. See when the wee guys with the hoods can take you. <laughs> I, I don't want to dedicate all my episodes to Dominic Diamond. Just oh, this one. <laughs> you can have. You can have this one. Also, interesting fact about me. Um, I got Dynamite Heady because um, my dad was taking me and my brother to a Celtic game and I wasn't into football but my wee brother was really into it and my mum said look if you go to the Celtic game and come home I'll buy you a Mega Drive game and I spent the entire ga- game not interested in the slightest in the football just couldn't wait till I got home and got a new Mega Drive game and that Mega Drive game was Dynamite Heady yes! it's a good one it's a good one brilliant game but anyways uh, the main what's it called Trouble Brewing Trouble Brewing is like a cat that tries to disrupt you because he's jealous that yeah. you're the main character of the game. I know, the narrative, man, it's, it's weird, isn't it? It's like a, a show and you're a reject or something. Yeah. You've been rejected. You're a rejected toy. This was, well, the fake cheat you told me is the start, you've got a conveyor belt of toys. Kind of like raggy dolls. Uh, you get ones going along getting approved and then along comes Heady, and like that, boom, reject. Aye. He goes yeah. into a reject bin. But you told me that if you put in a button input, then he gets accepted and it takes you along to a level skip. That was Mark Shinobi told me that. To your, <laughs> to your credit, that sounds like a fucking very legitimate cheat, man. Yes. I believe, we all believed you. Yeah. Uh, you also believed that Mongo fucking made Sonic up until you were 15. This is b- it's before the internet, guys. And that whole thing about going to the moon, which actually kind of turned out to be half true. My dad <laughs> turned up with a fucking ticket, remember? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just a bit of context on that one. My granddad, right, he's a bit of a holder, he collects everything, right? And in the Daily Record, he saw that there was a competition where if you win a crossword, you win a ticket to the moon, right? <laughs> now, I know how, now, as a 30-year-old man, I can't believe I'm saying that, but a 30-year-old man, I realise how ridiculous it was. 
But when you're fucking seven, man, come on. You want to tell everybody. Oh, you're the boy in St Mary's that's going to the moon. Do you know <laughs> what I mean? That's it. So it was. That was a laughing stock and a fucking playground for a good five hours. Right? <laughs> My granddad appeared with a fucking ticket. That shut them up. That shut them up. Was it like Virgin Galactic or something? Like a promotion from those Some guys? Oh, man. I don't even know. But that's what you should probably still go to ticket, man. Maybe we'll cash in the next couple of years. In fact, for the next show, I'll bring the ticket in, man. Good. Right, that'll play well. That'll play well on radio. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hold it up to the microphone. Yeah, we'll show that. start a Twitter. We can start a thing. Maybe we can get it on there. Yeah. 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 But um, when right. they start losing weight from doing video. <laughs> <laughs> so I mentioned in the little intro there about swapping games, which is what this is going to be about. Each. I was going to say week, but each whenever we record one of these... Yeah, let's not tie ourselves down. <laughs> yeah, it's not going to be weekly. Uh, we are going to swap a game to one of the other people and in turn receive a game from somebody else. So um, it's basically I'm going to talk about, first of all here, the, the wonderful Splatterhouse 2, which I have kindly gifted Andy to play. Um, so he's played that, we're going to talk about that. Um, whereas uh, McCormick has given me a game called Soleil or Soleil. I, I believe it's it. Soleil because we'll I've been to see the Cirque du Soleil. And, and we think... don't call it a Cirque du Soleil. Yeah, you yeah. don't. And if you're an uh, American listener, uh, you'll know it as Crusader of Senti. Oh, fucking well dropped. And if you're a Japanese listener, it's known as Ragnacenti, and I have no idea what that means. And That's I really I mean. have, I have no idea why it's called Crusader of Senti either. Um, the I I don't know Soleil is the, the main character's hometown but we, yeah better uh, title and uh, we've also got uh, Andy has given Mick we're going to say this for last Sonic Spinball Sonic Spinball get a Spinball up in here brilliant, brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> right but um to cap it off, um, we'll start with Splatterhouse 2. Right, let's start with Splatterhouse so, 2. The well, reason yeah, why did you, why did you um, gift Andy Splatterhouse 2? Why was that your choice? The reason I went for Splatterhouse 2, um, you imagine you're an eight-year-old Mick Clotterty, right? You're right. sitting too close to the telly. You're sitting with probably a plate of mince and totties or something like that. You're getting right into your Mega Drive. Um, I was obsessed with Splatterhouse 2. I used to sit and fucking draw it in my jotters and I, I fucking loved it. Um, but if you see, if you've seen Splatterhouse 2 now, it's very creepy. There's a lot of these kind of eldritch HP Lovecraft style horror HP monsters. Lovecraft. You're, uh, basically, I like it because it's a bit of a feast for the senses. The sound effects are brilliant. The splatters, you really, <laughs> you get your money's worth on splatters. That, that <laughs> oh, title's not fucking about. Um, graphics, sound, the music, uh, all wonderful. Gameplay-wise, it's a wee bit stilted with an old school, but I thought Andy being a bit of a fucking hardcore retro gamer by it wouldn't give him much grief. But um, let's let's hear how you got on. What did you think about Splatterhouse 2? Everything I say is just going to be my thoughts, right? And I know it's going to be disagreeable what I say, but that's just what I thought. I've done a wee bit of uh, research on it before I actually played it. And it's funny you mentioned HP Lovecraft there, because that's the first thing that jumped out at me. H.P. Lovecraft is obviously a grandfather of horror um, and I found out that Splatterhouse 2 is actually based on the Reanimator. Oh, oh shit man, I've seen Reanimator! Have you seen uh, it? I've not seen it. But oh man, Herbert West fucking represent. I've all the West Mansion. Yeah, out. fuck yeah, that's good. I will be checking it out. I will <laughs> be checking it out. Um, so, obviously if it's if it's based in, you know, one of the best horror writers, you know, works, then it's got to be a good game. So I thought, Right, 
So I turn it on, sit down, get it all, it's all music, you know what I mean? Yeah. They've got those uh, creepy, like, digitised voice samples where she goes, Help, Rick! Uh, and then the mask pops up and goes, uh, <laughs> uh, Great. Yeah, very creepy, atmospheric music. Uh, yeah, I love beat-em-ups, man. Well, some... I, I love beat-em-ups. Like, Streets of Age, man, one of my favourite games ever. Mega Games 2. Mega Games 1. Mega Games 2. Mega Games 2. Uh, Streets of Age, man. Just, there's nothing better than playing Streets of Age with somebody. Uh, you take the top, I'll take the bottom. You take it right, I'll take it left. Bam, bam, push, push. But the one thing that it's missing is co-op. Now, I know that it's not that type of game, mm. but I feel that a beat-em-up without the ability to uh, play co-op mode really detracts from it. No, I think because it's a single plane, I, yeah. can, I can't wrap my head around how co-op would work in it. Possibly, but then again, Final Fight, the first, when that first came out, that wasn't co-op, and then Final Fight 2 introduced co-op and it just totally, absolutely changed it for the better. So I'd love to see a Splatterhouse co-op game. Alright, okay, fair, fair. Uh, yeah, I know, that'd be cool, man. I don't know how you would do it. Maybe have Rick's long lost fucking another mask. Another mask? His brother Vic comes, there's a second mask. It's a fucking Sega game, do you know what I mean? Yeah, you don't really have to justify it. I'll talk a wee bit about the controls and how it actually plays. Maybe the Sega Mega Drive's like answer to Castlevania. I thought that's maybe what they were going for. That's, that's the vibes I get. Yeah, because the the Mega Drive, like all the marketing and stuff, um, definitely I remember was saying like we're cooler than Nintendo, we're more badass. Like this is the console that your mum and dad don't want you to play. All that nineties fucking nonsense. It's the rad console. Console. Yeah, it was rad. Like you know, you play it with your cap on backwards, like that but sort of stuff. Mega Drive. <laughs> Look at these things, man. They explode and blood goes fucking. Everywhere. Yeah. Uh, so I basically thought like some marketing guy came to the guys. Who's it made it? Is it Namco? Yeah. So some marketing guy from higher up comes into the the programs at Namco and says, "We want Castlevania, but none of these kind of effect vampires. We want something edgy. We want something like Nightmare on Elm Street, Friday the Thirteenth." So I kind of thought it was maybe uh, meant to be an answer to that. The main dude behind Splatterhouse Two. This is just an aside. It's not an addition to that. Went on today, Klonoa and oh, a couple really? other fucking cool games. Oh, no way. But again, fucking presentation stunning. It's a fucking good platform. I, I think, I think <laughs> obviously, like any game, um, if you played it when you're younger, then you're going to have a certain phone. I've got nostalgia goggles. I mean, man. I, I'll tell you what, I've I struggled. I struggled, man. But you've, as you said, it kind of works in partners, so you've got to work out like, every enemy sort of pattern. It's, I mean, you've, got, you've got to have patience uh, and you've got to work so you get like, uh, it's about patterns and sort of learning what's coming up you're going to play the level for a bit and die a couple of times but like Mega Man you'll get a wee bit further each time you'll learn aye. better but if you're sitting stoned at your box aye. your inclination <laughs> is just to run in and mash punch yeah faces. you're going to have a bad time there's only faces in the background like in a freak mute that Three bongs into a fucking session, man, and you kind of just freaked out. Um, but you get this fucking. You can pick up a pipe and swat enemies into the background and they splatter off walls and stuff. I love that. Yeah. I thought that was such a cool touch that they, there's a different death animation for the enemies based on what you. Um, what If you're using a weapon or not. Like no, the, the pipe is really satisfying, you just wab them into the, the wall. You can get it in the fourth stage, you get chased by a Cthulhu monster along the river and you can pick up an oar and fuck them into the sea. That's and amazing. It's fucking amazing. That's amazing. Do <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Do you know what it was missing? Right, uh, this is probably going to get back to the beat-em-up thing, which maybe isn't. Okay. Remember uh, Golden Axe, when you can jump on something and fucking swing a tail and all that? Like an amount, as ah, they would call it in man. World of Warcra
Yeah. That was kind of a golden axis thing. Yeah. I, I, I like that, mate. Maybe I'm just fucking dying in the room, man. Maybe I'm just dying in the room. Fucking old school beat him up, man. His moveset is a bit limited. He can really just punch and Aye. jump. And can I just talk about the jump for a wee second? That jump is horse shit. It's floaty. I totally agree. It's, it's, it's not floaty. a good jump. No. <laughs> it's a terrible jump. You come, to a, you come to a point in a stage with spikes and it's like, oh, here we go. Ah, I'm going to lose a couple of lives here. It's a bit shit. Like, yeah, I'll give you that. It's like, you, you don't know. You've got to get a very mm. last pixel before the spike to jump over the spikes. Otherwise, you're landing on them. Yeah, that did my nothing. Like yeah. the, and you kind of... The hitbox for the spikes is a bit weird. You kind of because you can kind of get like kind of in in amongst the spikes before you get damaged. So you have to kind of go through them and then jump over them. And then I and like he's uh, invulnerability doesn't last very long. It's like, mm, mm, mm. oh no, it doesn't at all. Yeah, that noise I was doing was uh, of course the noise that Rick makes when he, he takes a dunt. He goes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Got a lot of sound effects in this podcast. Yeah. Just... Actually, we could probably add that in, but just think about it. Like, yeah. cheap shots, man. G- uh, There's a lot of cheap shots. There are some cheap shots. First boss, right? You're like, ah, this is easy, man. You're tanking him. Big ugly motherfucker, right? That boss is grotesque. Aye, a horrible fucking thing. But how cool is that, though? That's fucking punch it in the face until it goes. Yeah, absolute fucking fucking huge ass out of this thing, right? And you beat it, it starts going, that's it. You think, magic, next level, please. Just after this green blacks out, outpours this green shit, man, and it kills you. Yep. You shouldn't, you <laughs> well, shouldn't have been it kills you if you're too close to it. It takes a, a, a bit of help off you. But again, that's all about learning. So then you die, the next time you fucking play, you go, I better get away from that boss because there's a wee surprise here. Boss, yeah, it's very old school and that's, there's a lot of just kind of repetition, learning the you pattern. Beat the boss, right? You beat the boss, and then you Would you want a parade? That's not how old games work. But for that to spill out his belly and kill you after you beat him, man, it's just a bit of a cheap shot. My opinion, man. Also, my opinion, which is. I'll give you that, I'll give you that. But in my opinion, the difficulty is a plus when you're lit. Okay, in hindsight, we go back and we see these things as cheap, bad. Uh, you shouldn't have to fucking play it 500 times to get past the third level. But when you're away and you've got like five games, you need longevity, you need them to be solid. And one of the things, it is actually quite forgiving because um, there's a password system, so after you've struggled and busted your balls to beat a level, don't have to go through it again. And you know a game that could have done with a password system? Sonic fucking Spinball. Oh, <laughs> but that's <laughs> but that's a wee a wee a wee preview of nice, um, nice, the, nice, the nice. latter part of the show. I don't, I don't think you like Spinball very much. <laughs> Spoiler alert! <laughs> Spoiler alert! But anyways, right? Spartan Rose Two. Let me just sum it up, right? I only got three levels in there, so I can't give a full overview. It. I don't think that's what this podcast is all about. Um, Mick. Obviously, he's got fond memories here, and he suggested that I play it. And do you know what? Music's great. Aesthetic's great. I like the animation. The fact that you can smack enemies so far into the background, and you know the animation of like splatting against a wall—it's just—it's so satisfying. You can actually feel the crunch when you hit them. Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, two by four and all that. The bosses, the bosses yeah. always have a really, um, really satisfying death animations. The bosses' eyeballs explode. The second level yeah, size explodes. Yeah, you get a satisfaction. I don't know, but when you're playing beat 'em up, right? And I know it's not a beat 'em up, but you get kind of yeah, you can call it a beat 'em up, man. You get a backdraft and you punch something, you can feel a crunch. Yeah. <laughs> I got that half it. And uh, okay, maybe I didn't have enough time to go over the difficulty curve, but um, 
you know, it's got it's got a bit of a legacy Splatterhouse too. My opinion's just my opinion, man. If you like good music, if you like a scary atmosphere, if you like a big guy in a mask with a boiler suit on, <laughs> smashing fuck out of zombies, you should play it, man. But what can I say? Wasn't the cup of tea? Ah, fair play. Do you know at the the end of a Splatterhouse one, right? Because it's got that trope, the damsel in distress trope, right? So his missus gets kidnapped by monsters. He's a big fucking the, the mask goes. I'll help you get your missus back. There's an evil mask, it makes you into a ripped cunt. Right. Um, so you fight through the levels, and at the end of Splatterhouse 1, you get to your missus, and then she turns into a big fucking horrible monster beast thing. Patches him. And you have to beat her to death. <laughs> she patches him at the end, did she? She patches him and turns into a monster, I suppose. Fucking fear, so, it's hardly Fiona for Shrek. Is it reverse Fiona for Shrek? No, it is Fiona for Shrek, I suppose. Yeah. If it was Shrek, you'd turn into a kind of Eldritch abomination and he'd be like, I still love you because of what you are on the inside. Shrek's He was brushing his teeth with shites and stuff like that. Come on up the road, my big Eldritch Fiona. I'll be pumping the night, I'll put the donkey outside. So, right, let's talk work. Let's talk work. Lower. Well, uh, so Splatterhouse 2, um, the mask once again calls to the bold Rick. Again, it's like an 80s horror B movie. It's a uh, fucking reanimator's fucking right where it is, man. I'm, I'm glad I know that. Is it a film? Is it a, is it just book? Reanimator's a, a movie. It's right. based on an H. It's an H.P. Lovecraft short, short story that they made into a weird 80s. Uh, movie cool. called Reanimator and oh. the, the short story Reanimator is deliberately quite kind of campy because it was H.P. Lovecraft Ooh. taking the piss out of himself I think it was uh, a parody self-parody I think the Especially short sucks. <laughs> I, think, I think the short story's got I think it's called Herbert West Reanimator yes it's the main character's name uh, it's it's a very fucking American thing where it's that but it's a college it's ah. an American college right. and it's this weird though and a normal guy moves in with him and he's doing all sorts of experiments on deep bodies and making fucking monsters. As you do. But, uh, so Splatterhouse 2, the mask comes back to Rick and he's killed his monster girlfriend at the start of Splatterhouse 1 and he goes, Yeah, mate, we can go back to the secret mansion and fucking get her. Our business with the Splatterhouse is not yet done. It's round two. And that's what happens at the start and then the mask flies out of the screen and goes, ah, 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 ah. And you said, you said there's a very um, subversive Splatterhouse 3 as well, which I didn't know. I was just going to ask that question. Is there any sequels after this? I don't know if I would call it subversive. It, well, the the mask becomes a fucking antagonist. It's, spoiler alert, I'm fucking dropping fat splatter spoilers all over. Fat splatter At the end, you actually have to fight the mask. But um, splatter Jim Carrey? Somebody stop me! I, I do like, I like Jim Carrey and I like the mask, but it would be satisfying to bat a fuck at him as the big guy for Splatterhouse. Oh, like, yeah. Hit him with a pipe and watch him splatter. I don't know, uh, man. But uh, Splatterhouse 3 is all set in the one house, um, and you have to run from room to room fighting horror abominations. Is it a beat em up? Uh, yeah, it's, it's, in fact, you would probably like the third one a lot more. Do you feel that between mm. Splatterhouse 1 and 2, there wasn't enough of a, a change up? Like, there was no special moves, there was no sort of. Improvement on it, it was just a sort of extension. I think in terms of presentation, two is better. Really? Yeah. But three, you get more like combos and. Ah, oh, like, see, um, and 
So it's got, it's also got a timer, where if you don't get to a certain room in enough time, your Wayne dies. Oh God. If you don't get to a timer in a, a certain room to in another time, your missus dies. You should so always be prompt. There should <laughs> always be prompt. Yeah. There's good endings and bad endings. Mm. But, um, but two was a sweet spot for me, but only because I owned it, do you know what I mean? Ah, uh, you had it when you were a Wayne. I wouldn't say it's a masterpiece or anything, but I just wanted to share a wee bit of a childhood, mate. I'm sure everybody knows that anybody listening to this, man, I mean, this is all based on nostalgia. So yeah. you can look at a game in two ways, you can look at it objectively, which I've had a day because I didn't play it when I was younger, or you can get a subjective sort of view that Mick's got where he played it grown up. And he's obviously going to look at it through most of specs. And I'm guilty of that as well for many of my games. Well, this is a, this is a duality. This is a duality of the podcast because you're going to be going, I love Sonic Spinball, and he's going to be going, Sonic Spinball doesn't work. Sonic Spinball, mate. Spinball, sorry. Spinball. I've Anglicanised us fucking hell. This podcast is in Scots, and I don't care how many listeners it alienates, which is probably, I mean, it's going to alienate all of the zero. Listeners. Zero listeners. I'm sure our four listeners will have no trouble. Never done video guiding in them. That's it. Shout out to Consylvania. Shout out to Ravener Ryan. Ryan. <laughs> um, but I think we could probably. Um, you get any final thoughts on Splatterhouse Um No, this isn't a review show. This is just basically three guys that like to get together now and again that knows new each other for years and like to talk about, you know, uh, games that we grew up with. Now I'm not going to say any sort of. I'm not going to make any sort of opinion on a game. All I'm going to say is, atmospherically, it's exquisite. The music, I would say, probably Mega Drive wise, it's up there. It's up there. It's not. It's not quite at the top, is it? No. But it's, it's from 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 a spectrum of flicky to streets of rage. <laughs> it's probably a seven. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll go with that. Yeah. I don't think it uses the kind of the full capabilities of the sound chip that well in terms of the instruments, but in terms of the actual songwriting, it's pretty cool. It's got loads of kind of creepy chords oh, and stuff like that. Yeah, it works. You just know this guy's kind of there. They just fucking set about guns. Yeah. And that's it. And uh, yes, final thoughts on the game. You know what? I'll probably get another bash at some point. Wait. Uh, I do hope that Mick doesn't give me another beat him up. Uh, I hope I'll get something different next time. But aye, aye it's good to, to visit Splatterhouse 2. Heard a lot about it. And uh, aye, it wasn't shit. There we go. <laughs> Fair enough. Right. Uh, you want to talk to us why you chose Soleil for myself? Yeah, oh, so. Soleil, um... I'm going to call it Soleil, fuck it. That's how I read it in my head. <laughs> Sorry to all of our French listeners. Um, Our region, it was known as Soleil. <laughs> so, yeah, um, Soleil is a kind of action RPG um, for the Sega Mega Drive. Um, RPGs in general were pretty thin on the ground, I would say. For the, the Sega, you didn't get any of the classics, like your Chrono Triggers or that you got on the Super Nintendo. And as a result, I kind of wasn't really exposed to RPGs much growing up in the in the Mega Drive era. And me and Andy, I remember one time we rented this game uh, from Global Video, and it was the first kind of RPG I'd played. I was just really captivated by it. Um, I kind of, you know, this feeling of kind of going on an adventure was something I'd kind of never really had from a game before, and I, I thought it was great. So I just kind of wanted um, Mick to play. Mick's a bit of a connoisseur of the genre, um, yeah, yeah. and I wanted to know if he, um, if it kind of lived up to his expectations, or if I was just again viewing it through rose tinted spectacles. So um, yeah, Mick, what did you think? 
I think this is a wee bit cheesy, but this one really did feel like a gift. Yes! <laughs> I fucking loved it. Yes! <laughs> Brilliant. It's great. I'm fucking astounded more people don't talk about it. Like on your YouTube videos, like top 10 fucking Mega Drive Genesis hidden gem type lists. Like, well, the fuck is it, man? It's, it's really good. I don't know. It's because of death. It's because of Zelda. Undeservedly. Yeah. But we'll getting into the fucking jugular of that because I've taken notes he's <laughs> 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 looking through um, his notes as we speak well um, I wanted to right this is a wee bit of a strange aside right because at the intro of this game it goes into I'm going to I'm going to be trope guy I think because <laughs> here's another trope for you, right? right? It's called the disappearing dad trope. Oh, oh, oh right. man. yeah, man. So I better bite my tongue. I'm <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm fucking saying. I wasn't trying to be snide. But, um, so if you, if you list of games here, right? Get Earthbound, Shining Force 2, Illusion of Time, Chrono Trigger. Pokemon Red, Azure Dreams, Final Fantasy VII, Dragon Quest Three, Golden Sun, Grandia, the list goes on. And JRPGs, like, either your main character is brought up by a single mum, there's no dad in the picture and it's never addressed. Or, or not all of them, but like a, a lot of them. Uh, or your dad dies tragically at the start or is like a fallen war hero or something. At the start of Soleil, uh, you get given a sword and shield which belonged to your dad who's long dead, right? Now, what I was wondering, the absence of fathers in JRPGs, right? It takes us nicely back to Earthbound yeah. because Earthbound, your dad is not in the picture other than a voice that phones you up. Gives you money. Gives you money. Gives you... <laughs> you know what I'm saying? A nice one beating up that slime monster wee man. Here's uh, 10 Gs or... I'm going to buy some fucking money. He's just the voice in the pod. The creator of Earthbound said when he was making Mother, the first one, he felt as if, to his own ways, he was just a voice on the phone because he spent so much time at work making Mother. Now, this is a, this is a wee bit of a juicy theory for you. I wonder if salaryman culture in Japan um, has led to the, the dad just never been in the house in these games. So you're doing, you're knocking your pan in right. for the gaffer. You're constantly pulling fucking ridiculous shifts. So I'm wondering if either the people making these games are working such long hours that it's like I'm the dad and I'm never in the house, or if they're looking back at their own childhood and just being like, "Oh, my dad wasn't there. That's why he fucking Chrono triggers mums." Daddy you know? wasn't there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to the fair. <laughs> That's yeah, pretty interesting theory actually. And um, I think like Soleil. Um, Maybe because of the translation isn't that good, but it deals with that like so quickly. It's just like this sword was your dad's. He was very brave and kind. We're all sad he's gone. Anyway, just fight for that. I by yourself. I tried to do a wee bit of research on that, and I couldn't find any sort of explanation for like the the dads the dads up in here. That's pretty amazing, and maybe maybe it just kind of it started in in a couple of games, and then people just it just became a trope that way. But this, I think you you may be onto something. That's why that Ryu and like people that would <laughs> <laughs> man my point. Is this like, Liu Kang and Ryu? They never go to their dad. They always go to like, a Mister Miyagi type, like a sensei. Father guidance. Yeah. Sub- substituting a father figure. For a, for a mystical fucking old man in the mountains so that teaches saying, fireballs. Are we saying that mm. Japan as a whole is paternally lacking? 
I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know. In terms of video games, <laughs> yes. Uh, the, Japan, the Japan that we have seen through video games, yes. yes. So, uh, yeah. so basically, like, if um, obviously someone's not got a good relationship with their dad, chances are there'll be a game developer. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to all the game developers out there. Um, but yeah, I, I didn't mean to off-road us so much. Um, so uh, when I was first playing Silio, I thought fucking. I'm no into this fucking sword. I think the hitting in this is a bit shite. And then within fucking five minutes, I got boomerang sword. And then I was cutting bushes for fun. I was just <laughs> about flinging the thing everywhere. It was fucking amazing. I addressed that immediately. Um, aye, well, should we get a bit into the the meat, the meat and gravy of what, what the game's about? The meat and potatoes. Yeah, um, well, it's kind of... Um, the mince and <laughs> <laughs> Let's get into the mince and toys. And the boys. Um, yeah, so, like, the the plot of the game um, seems to be... Actually, I've kind of forgotten the plot of the game. Do you want to go into that? Hey, okay, there goes 15 minutes. Here's <laughs> another... I'm, I, I, right, the thing about my bits is that I'm going to fucking get rambly and weird, right? This game isn't a Zelda clone, right? Undertale is a fucking Salil clone. What? <laughs> what? Hot take of the episode. Mike, drop. Uh, <laughs> right, so when I was playing it at first, the wee fucking intro, right, you played Undertale. I uh, think I, I think I know where you're going with this. What is that? What's Undertale? Right. That, a lot of people like me will not know what the fuck that means. Undertale is incredible. Undertale is a, a retro RPG that they made for Steam that kind of subverts the genre a wee bit where oh, you, can, you can go about and fuck up monsters and kill them for experience points oh. or you can make pals with them 10 out of 10 it's, it's yeah, amazing it's, it's amazing you'd love it yeah you play it one, one you, of these yeah, times one of these one of these episodes you're, you're getting Undertale Um <laughs> So, Undertale... Oh, but I'm going to spoil it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, if you don't want to hear what happens at the end... Of I fast forward. They skip ahead a few minutes. Yeah. Right, so the intro is uh, Lille, Soleil, um talks about a war between humans and monsters and the monsters getting banished underground. And guess what? That's what fucking the intro to Undertale has in it as well. <laughs> and so does the Communist Manifesto. <laughs> Just saying. Uh, so, the history of humans and monsters is the history of class struggle. <laughs> <laughs> the monsters are very much a proletariat in the world of Silio and Undertale. Uh, fucking. So, the intro sets this up. Now, very early on in the game, a witch puts a curse on you that means you can't speak to humans anymore. It's cool as fuck. If you walk into a town, all the text boxes are just gibberish. I remember that. Just fucking. I, that's one of the main things I remember. Like, that part was kind of really quite powerful to me as a child. Like the idea. Yeah, and yeah. you can't you can't talk to your family. Like imagine that as, as a kid, like just being completely isolated for your family and all your friends can't speak the same language. It was terrifying to me. And other parts of all that's called paranoid schizophrenia. <laughs> <laughs> but you can talk to animals and flowers now. Or psychosis. Uh, <laughs> well, they're, they're talking to animals and flowers. But, uh, so you, you, you round up a posse of animals which give you different power-ups. Your dog gives you a sort of stun strike. Uh, you get a penguin that gives you like a freeze sword, a lion nice, that gives nice. you a fire sword. Uh, the flying squirrel lets your sword ricochet off walls and stuff. There's a cheetah that lets you go faster. It's cool as fuck, right? But and you can combine the animals together and get kind of combo powers. It's really satisfying combine as well. Combine the animals together, right? <laughs> we get Joseph Mangueira. <laughs> <laughs> well, for instance, if you have the flying squirrel and the penguin at the same time, you can ricochet your 
ice sawed off walls, for instance. Cool. You're not stitching a penguin to your foot. It's a bit of a dark up to see what happens with these penguins. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but, but, uh, oh, no, that's fine, that's fine. Leave it, leave it in. Right, but when you get about halfway through the game, the fucking witch turns into a fucking dragon thing and you kill it and it goes, mate, you've been running about killing the monsters. You've been talking to all these animals and squirrels. Did you ever try talking to the fucking monsters? Oh my God. Yeah. We didn't get that far going up. So it turns turns the whole thing on its head then. So Uh, where does it go for there? You get this powder that awakens a kind of because the monsters are kind of like, <laughs> not that kind of part of it. I've had a powder that's awakened a monster in me before. The monsters are all kind of they're like feral, but there's this power that kind of makes like regain their senses after you've battled them, and it turns out they just want to get back underground and be with our fucking monster peeps and go back to their home. That's amazing. So you need to try and beat this big bad so that the monsters can... So it's kind of a reverse Undertale. But I think your man fucking Toby Fox that made Undertale fucking played. That would have been Crusader Ascente to him because the themes are very similar. Do you think that Toby... Is it Toby? Toby Fox. Toby Fox, you reckon? You can collect him as a party member and uh, so he can fucking... Are you reckon that uh, Toby Fox has obviously been a fan of Saleo and he's he's incorporated that into his, his own creation? Definitely the kind of themes of, you know, kind of like anti-violence. I could speculate, and my speculation says, aye, so Toby, you're at it! The collaboration between the two, well, do you know what? If, I mean, if you look at it, what, my memories of Saleo, as Mixie, was rented it for me in a video game store. You fucking uh, found that cameo for Sonic the Hedgehog in the beach and just judged your wee pants. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. That bit, is, I that bit is bizarre. I think I just pressed reset, man. It's near the start. It's near the start. I wrote this down. You speak to Sonic the Hedgehog and he says, Tiss, tiss, I'm a uh, gallon hedgehog. Don't uh, touch me or you'll get burned. I've got that in my notes as well. <laughs> <laughs> just in the 90s, I've got that in the 90s. I've got a scene. A gallon hedgehog? You were talking about it being a Zelda clone, right? Yeah, yeah, this is the, this is the main. You know, anytime you look at uh, Crusader Ascentry or Saleo online, you will see references to this that, ah, it's just a Zelda clone. Sort of passively putting it to one side. If you played Link to the Past, you've played Saleo. Mick says this isn't the case. I've got, I've got a gripe with this. Uh, because most of the puzzles actually revolve around platforming. Uh, a rabbit teaches you to jump near the start and the cheetah gives you a fucking sprint. It's about dashing, <laughs> using, <laughs> using the environment... see how they came to that conclusion. Using the environment to sort of flip about, jump platforms and stuff. Most of the boss fights are puzzle-based as well, do you know what I mean? There are certain ways you have to think about the bosses to beat them, like memory pattern games and stuff that are quite weird what's just on a bop what is the best example um, of a puzzle boss you can think of considering I've not played the game as much as you have there's a boss where uh, the boss pops up and then there's like 10 of them and then they all shuffle about do you know like the cup game where they, they put the ball under the cup and they move the three cups around there's that but in a boss fight so you have to dodge them and then try and remember what one that you have to strike right. the bosses are all very much in the fucking vein of it there's a boss where you have to switch between the penguin and the lion because when it's a certain colour only ice damages it and when it's a certain other colour only fire damages it I, uh, I think RPG. it's a big cube of slime yeah it's Aye. fucking RPG weakness standard kind of shit but yeah, uh, for me, I, I find it different enough that 
I think if you want to paint in a broad stroke, as it's like we were saying that they used to call all FPSs uh, Doom clones, yeah, like yeah, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. So what's what is the main difference? Uh, you said platforming, right? We'll take that to one side. Apart from the platform aspect, what would you say uh, distinguishes Salil from Link to the Past? Ooh. Now that you've taken platforming away from me, it's uh, a bit more kind of story driven, I think, as well. Right. Um, so, like to the past, you pretty much just get your intro and then you're kind of left and that's sent right. out to the world, and that's a bit more about exploration and uncovering things in the world. I think. Um, so that was a, maybe a, like a bit more linear, but the it's, kind on, of, it's on rails, isn't it? You yeah. go from level to level. The, oh, the, world, the world map looks like uh, Super Mario Three. You move the wee guy from like square to square. Oh, like, right. <clears throat> So it's not like Conte past at all. <laughs> As I say, in broad strokes, aye, it's top down, you're a wee dude running about with a saw, chopping down bushes and gathering up fucking doodads. Would you back the, the opinion of many that this is uh, the Nega Drive's answer to Link to the Past? Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll say yeah. that. I'll say if you want, if you want something... I, I can't say that it's as good as, even though I love it. Aye. But if you want, if you say the what we were saying, the Mega Drive's fucking shite for RPGs. It's good for action adventure games because you've, 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 you've got Landstalker. You've got uh, I think it was called Story of Thor over here, or uh, it's Beyond Oasis in the States, and you've got Sully alongside those. Those three boys are big hitters for me that can so stand, 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 stand toe-to-toe with your SNES action adventure games for me. Oh, man. <clears throat> uh, so nice what one. did you think of like the, the music? I quite enjoyed the music. Do you know, I uh, I was thinking about the music and I was walking to the shops the other night to fucking go and buy wine or fags or you whatever. Give us a few bars. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you give us a few bars for well, favourite jingle? What, what I was thinking was, um, I can't even fucking remember any tunes. Because <laughs> I enjoyed, I remember enjoying the music. And then like two days later, I was sat in work and this tune was fucking stuck in my head for like two hours. And I was like, what is that? <laughs> and then I was like, it's fucking Saleo, man. It's, the tune's been stuck in my head. I've got the <laughs> I've got the Anemone Beach theme stuck in my head right that now. The with the kind of yeah, it's like Calypso with the kind of steel drums and stuff. <laughs> yeah. The only one you're talking about. <laughs> it's the only one I remember. I mean, you remember back in the day when we got us years and years ago, about a hundred years ago. Yeah. We played it. Uh, I think we got to a uh, was it global video? Yeah, just kind of like trying to like. The discussing like where to go next and stuff like that was all quite kind of vivid in my mind. Um, I remember. Do you know what I remember? This is going to be a bit of left field, man. It's not going to be anything like dodgy, right? I remember um, me lying and my father came in, right? And he was kind of drunk. And I remember that he came had to be due back the next day, right? And he came in wrecked. And I didn't know what drunk was at the time, but I'm like, no, it's son. You can keep that game for another day. <laughs> I remember this too. And I will pay, I will pay the late fee. And I thought to myself, £10,000 global yeah, video. It's <laughs> because you were so engrossed in it, man. That's nah, nice. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Uh, what an what exciting fucking night that was. <laughs> but uh, the, the main thing I can remember is the whole um, the talking to animals and stuff. Uh, like you could only either talk to animals or the humans. You couldn't do both at once. Aye. I remember that kind of mechanic. It's like you're, you're getting gibberish off the humans and then you go and talk to a cow and yeah. it'll go... This is my favourite part of the tune. <laughs> have, you noticed, have you noticed how much the gibberish looks like the the Saturn? The, the Saturn Mr. Saturn's. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a little bit of Mr. Saturn. We are fucking earthbound heavy right, boys. But I love it. It's all yeah. It's always present in our minds as earthbound. What man? It's earthbound is unlike anything else I've ever played. Uh, my final thoughts on it are that it's a fucking must. Um, 
I would urge you, if you're a, a nostalgic purveyor of Sega Mega Drive games, fucking hunt this bad boy down. I actually don't, because it'll cost you a fortune. <laughs> and it's not on any games collections. Get it on, boys. It's going to... You're going to... And girls. I would say, like... Um your kind of comparisons to Link to the Past it is definitely a very good game but I'd say the design isn't always quite as tight as um, your kind of Nintendo classics like um, in the, the the first level when you're going through the training ground it's a bit weird there's loads of kind of strange dead ends in the sides the level design's a bit confused sometimes one thing that sticks out is um, at the kind of beach level where it's windy and you get, you're getting blown around like you've just learned how to pick up items and throw them Nowhere does it tell you that you can throw an item onto water and then you can jump on it and use it as a platform. You don't get taught that through level design. You don't use that at all until the very end. And I was so frustrated in this level, like trying to figure out where to go next because I didn't realise you could throw it into the sea and then jump on it. But if you can kind of forgive that, and I definitely did forgive that when I was replaying it, then yeah, it's great. Sort of like the battle in Calamity Zone. Oh my god, yeah. (laughs) It's very very much like the battle in Calamity Zone. User. Looking at it as 10 years old, fucking, like, say to each other, what do we do, man? It's stuck <laughs> at it for, like, three hours. I just went on my phone and went like that. Like, <laughs> <laughs> hey, 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 how to get by uh, wind level and slow <laughs> 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 Fuck it. That's just one, that's one down for safety, it's man. But um, do you have anything else to add on that? Um... Yeah, I was just going to talk about the, the music a wee bit, like as you were um, as By you were the way, saying. McCormick's a music guy. I am I am going to be the music guy. Um, <laughs> I've got a, a wee rant lined up about the Sega sound chip later on, which I'm sure you're going to be absolutely fascinated <laughs> yes. by. Oh, not Me too. Yeah. But one thing that kind of um, kind of came out to me when I was playing this and listening to the music, the music, as with probably most of the best Sega Mega Drive games, it was quite kind of funky, you know, quite mm. kind of like, you know, it sounds a bit like Alpha Prince. Alpha points. <laughs> oh, yeah, the, the, the level with the, um, the level with the, um, the fortune teller, like, that's, <laughs> that music is insane, it's like a Slam that bass down. Crazy <laughs> carnival music. Yeah, yeah. But the reason I think for this is it kind of, the Mega Drive sound chip because it's like an FM synthesis chip, it's really good at making like all these kind of like um, quite percussive sounds, like you know slap bass or like um, steel drums and um, uh, like all these kind of like wee sort of stabby chord sounds, which lends itself well to kind of funkier soundtracks. But it can't really do. You couldn't have given it a soundtrack like Chrono Trigger with like stirring orchestral strings and um, like woodwinds and all that. Like that just doesn't work on the Meg Drive. So <laughs> yeah. I think they kind of it would so, it would sound horrendous if you did that in the Meg Drive. So they so kind of played to its strengths. The bit that's supposed to make you cry, like in a fucking SNES game, has got all these strings and it's all yeah. sweeping. Can you imagine the Mega Drive? You get this fucking Seinfeld shit. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Can you imagine um, the the opera from Final Fantasy VI on the Sega Mega Drive? Oh, yeah, I would, I would be better. <laughs> yeah, rock opera. I'd have to be a rock opera. Yeah. Final Fantasy VI opera scene is fantastic. You're, you're a big fan of Ultros. Oh. Shout out to Ultros. <laughs> Shout out to Ultros. We were actually going to do a, a special feature on this program. On Ultros. <laughs> no, 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 no. no, 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 no Obscure Final Fantasy characters. A long uh, episode coming up about Ultros. <laughs> so yeah, overall, Soleil. Um, you reckon worth playing? Fucking aye. Uh, it's a hard 8 out of 10 for me. It's cool. a seal of approval. I know we weren't really going to do ratings. I don't know why I just dropped one. Just, in fact, take the numbers away. And it's just, it's got a seal of approval. And there you go. If you change one thing to make it a 10, what would it be? Um, probably to get a really 
long drawn out pain in the ass turn based battle system that's really boring and fucks most people off I'd get a big fucking chubby for that <laughs> God bless subjectivity <laughs> I would say um, change the translation because it, it kind of seems as if it was written by four year olds well alright so here we go this is something else that I can talk about at the end the American translation and the European translation have significant differences really? in terms of the plot. Oh, well. The American one at the end, Crusader Ascenti, uh, even though you've been talking to the monsters and trying to help them out, at the end it turns out the monsters were baddies all along. What? <laughs> and you banish them. Whereas in a European one... They just go home? It's like, aye man, you've, you've done it and now the monsters can go back to underground and fucking be sound. <laughs> yeah, that's a massive difference. <laughs> I think this game is, is the reason we've kind of gone into Iraq. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> yeah, don't elaborate. Just choke on that one now. <laughs> we are saving the best of last, of course. Andy, do you want to talk about why you've gifted our friend here? Or some may say, Bob stop did. banging the table, Andy. The <laughs> microphone. Is, the microphone is on the table. Let me try that again. <laughs> You want to say why you've gifted our friend here, or some might say burdened <laughs> with Sonic Spinball. Right, they're going to slate this game, right? I'm telling you, I can tell the future. Might as well have a crystal ball here, right? They're going to slate this game. But as I said, it's all to do with subjectivity. I played this game when I was a youngster, right? And I was a big Sonic fan growing up. As were you. We are all massive Sonic fans ah, on this podcast. Brilliant. I still chill. Let's see, but I'll give you an example. Camo Knight came on last night, right? right? When I was doing a level select. And see when Tails flies Sonic in, I clapped him on the screen. Hey! You see that? That's, that's, that's what it's like, right? He sent a video to a group chat and he was going, Yes! Come on! <laughs> I clapped him on the screen, right? That's what I like, right? Now, Sonic games are always linear, left to right. Um, Collect rings, special stages, and all that. So you can imagine my excitement when I get through a curveball with Sonic Spinball. Sonic Spinball sort of expands on, you know, certain zones in Sonic, such as, you know, Spin Yard Zone, Casino Night Zone, and it actually creates its own <laughs> game. Just, just those specific two zones. Really just Casino Night. And there's Casino Night, or is it called Casino Night in Sonic Adventure? Well, we're not going to talk about 3D games, they can suck my way. Right. Anyways, uh, this game uh, obviously stood out to me. Uh, but when you're a Wayne, right? When you're a Wayne or a Bern or what's the cult term for that? <laughs> I like how you try to explain Wayne by using an even more Scottish <laughs> word for a child. A child is what a Wayne is. You like you like, right? Uh, I just happen to like Sonic at the time. Peter White, Zelda, you know, Peter White fucking... Whatever, so I'd be 19 age, which whatever they were into at the time. Playing fat by getting after glasses. All that stuff we didn't know anything about. <laughs> so when I get when I get this game, it was a wee change, it wasn't a, a straightforward platformer. Um, the animations were different, you know, the sprites were different, uh, the whole aesthetic of the game is different. But you know what man, there's something about those purples and greens merging together that just brings out a nostalgia in me. And that's what Sonic Spinball is, just a pure Exercise Spinball Sonic Spinball Stapula <laughs> Indulgence An exercise A pure Unadulterated Nostalgia And you know what No matter what these two Guys say here I'll always fucking love it Right Based on The Saturday morning cartoon That we all grew up with 
Um, <laughs> Alright, before you say, before you say, was <laughs> the ground, the ground and scratch one? It was the other one. And it wasn't Sonic. Uh, what was the one with the the French one with the green hedgehog in oh, the band? Oh, it's, it's <laughs> it wasn't related to that either. Uh, no, it was all shit. No, this one was based on uh, the Saturday morning cartoon, um, which I think has got some sort of affiliation with the Archie Comics in America. Good, good. Answer. Yeah, the Archie Comics series is in the same world as the yeah. Saturday AM cartoon, and I don't know which one came first, but that has the kind of same story, and it's got characters like. Sally the Squirrel or whatever the inferior comics to Sonic the Comic in the UK but that's a totally different story I know a subjective view <laughs> but but also an objective view <laughs> well anyways that's game that's game okay I can see why people uh, would dislike it it's got a very 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 high you've done a, you've done a good job as setting us up as baddies because I love it a wee bit hearing you talk about it my heart, my heart went out to you there it was, it was you and Sonic Spinball against the fucking world you didn't care <laughs> I mean it's just watch the tractors you can put it back up it's like it's like you're on the you know it's a bastard right but you can't bust the chops too much because it gave you so much pleasure do you know what I mean that's the best way I can put it Pinball game with Sonic in it, with cracking music and a great aesthetic. I'll pass it over to you guys. So, right, first off, I don't hate this game, but my opinion on it has kinda seesawed so much through through playing it. Like I don't I don't really have any nostalgic attachment to Sonic Spinball. Um I think one of my friends maybe had it growing up and I've seen him playing it but I never actually played it myself on the Mega Drive um, opening impressions um, first off you start with this oh my god absolutely possibly the most grating soundtrack well definitely the, the intro tune is so aggressive <laughs> like in your face it's that kind of Mega Drive guitar That's sound what Sonic's all about man yeah <laughs> burning your eardrums and then yeah the graphics it's got a kind of it's got a strange as you were saying the kind of green and purple Colour palette is not very, it's not your kind of bright, um, kind of classic um, Sonic art style. I would say maybe a worse art style than the mainline Sonic games. Um, Sonic's got this weird, hilarious, squat, kind of odd looking sprite. He looks like kind of like a kind of squashed down version of the Sonic. We all know and love. Um, I started playing it and I was just kind of like flinging. Sonic into these flippers and he was going all over the place he was falling into the toxic <laughs> the toxic sludge and, and that fucking toxic. shark king jumps up and makes a really loud noise yeah and all, all the all the all the, the sounds are kind of um, like that similar to the, to the music it's this really great in things so this is the this is the bit you've all been waiting for on my side about the Sega Mega Drive sound chip so basically the way the reason the sound in the Mega Drive and the sound in the SNES sounds so different is they're kind of the sound chips went on kind of two different evolutionary paths so if you look at something like the the, the NES the NES could produce like quite simple uh, tones like you know um, square and triangle waves and it could play melodies out of those and it could also play very low quality samples of like real instruments or real voices or sounds like 8-bit samples which are quite kind of crunchy and you couldn't really use them in a kind of musical way just kind of use them for sound effects or for like drum hits and stuff the Super Nintendo expanded on the um, the sampler idea, so you could get 16-bit samples, it sounded pretty good. You could sample real instruments, as we're saying, like kind of um, woodwind and brass and stuff like that. You could kind of sample anything you want and then play that like an instrument. Um, the Sega Mega Drive 
kind of expand on the synthesis idea. So it's, it's a technology called FM synthesis, which is pioneered by Yamaha. Yamaha actually made the Sega sound chip. And it's about kind of, you get all these tones that are kind of in a musical, um, kind of re- harmonically related um, frequencies. And those tones kind of modulate each other and interact with each other. And you can kind of synthesize new sounds. And that kind of opened up a whole new world of sounds you can make. As I was saying, it's really good that these kind of, kind of spiky stab sounds like funky yeah there's loads like loads of guitars yeah so if you kind of if you have these um, these sine waves are called operators if you have them in tune with each other maybe one's an octave higher than the other and that's um, modulating the other one you can get these kind of lovely like kind of bell tones and like these kind of like um, nice kind of bass sounds if one of them is kind of out of tune it creates this amazing like gritty distortion and they use that quite a lot in Sega Mega Drive is a kind of like a, an electric guitar sort of sound exactly. and like and your kind of like your Thunder Force games like ah, they had really really cool like kind of metal soundtracks um, you probably, you, you'd kind of recognise the sound it's a really distinctive sound this Sonic Spinball soundtrack leans so heavily on the guitar sound that it sounds like Norwegian black metal or something like that it's absolutely terrifying and like the sound effects of like um, when you die I'm not going to try and like recreate it here we might splice it, it in the podcast wah, wah, it's like wah, wah. <laughs> oh, I just broke my rule there. It's terrifying, like they're so loud, and like the, um, in the kind of um, the scoreboard, it's just get this. Is this like maybe four seconds, like a repetitive loop, and it's just this guitar going. It's so grating, um, but I mean. I've got to say Toxic Caves this tune for that quite yes, funky a bit more like it's actually really catchy it's a really good tune but yeah the rest of the soundtrack can, uh, can get to fuck so yeah like my impression was I mean it's, yeah, it, I, it didn't make it easy to love the game um, I don't think but um, and yeah I'm like <laughs> Andy do you want to Andy Mack has discovered what appears to be a parallel between the Scottish Football League and Sonic Spinball. Yeah. If you listen to... Oh, what zone is it? There's a, there's a certain zone. Which I'll, I'll do some research. Isn't that a boss theme? Is it a boss theme? I'll, I'll tell you what I'll do. For the next episode, I'll come back. And I'll let you know. But there is a, a song on there. Stay, swinging each other notes, mate. Stay tuned. <laughs> there is a song on there. I say song. But there is a... There is a level on there that... The soundtrack is... It's not even very similar. It is basically... The soundtrack for... The, the, sorry, the theme tune of Offside featuring Tam Cowan, yeah. which was a, a Scottish football programme whereby you would take people at Gordon Smith and whoever was the, the order of the day and interview them about Scottish football. It's uncanny. It's the same time signature. All the notes are in the same place. It's the same key. It's the same fucking song. I thought it sounded dubious when he messaged me about this. And then he sent me two consecutive YouTube videos and said, play these one after the other. And I was like, holy shit. It's tune for offsides and Sonic Spinball, man. Tam yeah. like, so Cowan, massive Sega fan. The only thing I can think of, one, can, the guy that composed the theme tune for offside, I, I hope this is true. He was a fan of Sonic Spinball. And he wasn't shite at it like you were. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Level to a Splatterhouse or whatever. Yeah, they quite enjoyed it. And they thought to myself, they probably stood up on eight smoking weed or something. And they thought, oh fuck, I've got a team tune to hand in a day. Probably play Sonic Spinball, right? <laughs> well, did we find out what came first, Offside or Sonic Spinball? 
Do you know what? So I think it was Sonny Spinball, yeah. Sonny Spinball, because right. offside was a sort of late 90s. Early 2000s, I think. Ah, right, right, right. Can I carry on? But aye, totally uncanny. Rhythmically, same, everything. Tonality, you know, on notes, as I said. It's the same song. So, listen, I don't know how far reaching this podcast is going to be. If you compose it offside, just listen to this. Explain it. Yeah. We would love, we would love to hear from you. We'll yeah. have you on the show. Yeah. Yeah. We love oh, we fucking have, have him on the show in a fucking heartbeat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I get in touch, man. If, if my suspicions. Right. Can you explain true. to me how to even beat the fucking first level on this? Because it's not my game this time. I've beaten the I, first. I've beaten the first level. I collected. I, I drained the slime. Because you hit a couple of bumpers and it says slime drained. And I collected the Chaos Emerald, so I was like, cool, level one done. Nah. So, as I was kind of I was kind of going to say, I, I started kind of getting the hang of it. Like, when I first went into the game, um, I was getting rocked all over the place. I kept falling at slime. I kept dying. I kind of learned soon enough that you have to be quite deliberate. Like, you have to control yourself in mid-air to get yourself to a safe place when you're can falling down. Can you move down. them in mid-air? You can move them in mid-air. Not very much, but you can. Oh. And that's what actually makes it better than any other pinball game I've played, to be honest, yes. because pinball is just... That's, that's passionate. Pinball is, bl- pinball, pinball pinball is just blind luck to me. Point, um, I don't know. I'm not very good at pinball. It's subjective. Pinball's about precision. Can I just say something else about the soundtrack? It was composed by a man called Howard Drossen, all right? And this is Wikipedia. By is he from Ardrossan? Uh, it does say here. That <laughs> his name. His name literally does have Ardrossan. <laughs> <laughs> Coming famous Ardrossan. We have Illuminati this shit. <laughs> He's an American composer for film and video games. His work includes. <laughs> no, you're you're bad. Come on, get that. Right. You read it. It's not the offside oh, thing. Oh shit! Oh. No, but right. <laughs> <laughs> a lovely wee bit of fucking synchronicity where he did music on the first Splatterhouse. Oh, no way. There we go. Nice one, man. He did bit. I think he did better there. I also say that he's obviously worked with a wide variety of artists including Herbie Hancock, Terrence Blanchard, Rod Stewart. Oh, shout out to Hail, hail. Black Eyed Beyonce Knowles, Paul Oakenfold, and unbelievably, Wiz Khalifa. <laughs> can I just? Can I just? I say, imagine Wiz Khalifa rapping over the toxic case. Can I just? Say, I think that could be uh, quite good. Howard Rawson wrote his own Wikipedia article. <laughs> Fact. <laughs> he deliberately left out the part where he wrote the offside theme tune. Ah, no, that's yeah. not on there. I was looking for us praying and hoping that. But you were handing me that phone. I was like, this does not say. Unless you've edited Wikipedia, it doesn't say fucking offside with Tam Cowan. Friends included Tam Cowan. What was the look? Wiz Khalifa and Tam Cowan. Okay, yeah, but I'm a bit harsh on the soundtrack, man. I know that you're a technical genius, right? I know that. <laughs> And I don't see that in any fucking ironic fashion or sarcastic no, fashion. No, because he technically is. He's literally a genius. <laughs> Men's have oil over here. Yep. So, anyways, I think I'm a bit harsh, man. Because, I mean, listen to Toxic Caves again. Right? Listen to Toxic Caves. Toxic, Toxic, Toxic Caves does kind of make up for the rest of the soundtrack, How to be honest. How far did you get? Um, I got to the second level. So as I was saying to Mick... Hey, well, everything for the second level on is fucking banging. There's only... <laughs> I bet it is, yeah, I'm sure. I'll give I'll give Mr. Ardrossan the benefit of the doubt. Um, yeah, right, as I was saying, right, how you beat how you beat the first level, um, if I can remember correctly. So I kind of learned how to basically, like, hod, hod him in place with the, the flip rolls and I kind of, a bit of precision, I kind of knew where I was going. So you beat the first... The, you hit the, the switches on the first part 
um, you you bounce off the wee worm things. You drain the slime from the okay. the emerald thing. With you so far. Yep. Um, you go either left or right. When uh, yeah, that's um, oh, yeah the bar- the barrel the barrel down the bottom. You that's go you go either left or right. Um, you, there's you have to go through, um, hit a switch there, and the switch changes the direction of the minecart, which is later in the game and well, later in the level. So if you jump in the minecart without hitting that switch, it just takes you back to the start. But if you jump in it after you've hit the switch, it takes you to another path and it takes you down to uh, the emeralds, and you do that twice. And then um, there's basically the same level on left to right, you get two emeralds, and then that gives you access to the bit at the top. And then you get the third emerald, and then you fight uh, Robotnik, which is actually probably the easiest part of the level because you can just kind of get up to the very top and keep bouncing off him and kill him. I think if I go to a boss fight, I might have liked a wee bit more. Yeah, and the bonus stage is quite good as well. There's kind of pinball treats, uh, ah, pseudo 3D ah, pinball bonus stage. Do you have a question? I've got a question. Yep. And you know what I'm going to ask you? <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. In fact, you know what I'm going to Wait, say? Should, that, should, I be, should I be worried? No, um, we've actually got kind of a bet on. Well, actually, we, we think that we, we think that you're going to say the same thing, but okay. uh, let, let, hit them with it. Right, here we go. Did you notice any cameos in the game? Cameos? No, I didn't. Right. Well, oh. one tying us nicely back to the cartoon. Yes, there was a few cameos from what the Sonic fans call you know, as Satan, which is a Sonic... Uh, oh, sorry. Saturday morning... Saturday, Saturday AM. Saturday AM. Yeah, I, that's what Saturday means. Uh, there was a characters in that that actually make an appearance in the bonus stage. Did you catch any? Uh, I you could don't think. I know it's this. I guess it's Sally. Is Sally there? <laughs> yes. Who else? Uh, what's the rest of them called? I would need to. Look at me. I only ever saw the shit one with Grinder and Scratch. Hey, hey kids, yes. smoking's bad. It takes a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Making sprites takes a, f- a fair bit, as you know. Yep, it's difficult. Days, man. I know. Well, we will do a special on Knuckles versus the Pokemon Boys. Well, Rest assured. Yep. The fact that Sonic Fan Games HQ, shout out. The fact that actually made a 16 bit sprite version of some of the characters in, in the cartoon is pretty cool, man. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Was I, mean, it, yeah. but that way, I take it was made um, Was it made in the US then? Because that was a kind of American it was thing. It made by Sega Technical Institute, who also made, I think, every Sonic game except Sonic CD. And you're here, Knuckles Chaotix. <laughs> uh, Andy is holding aloft a copy of Knuckles Chaotix, which... I yeah, I, I should point out, so I um, was in Chicago um, for the wedding of a friend and I was killing some time and I took a wander into shops. Um, it was like kind of um, like kind of a CEX type shop in the States, I can't remember what it's called. But I seen a copy of, copy of Knuckles Chaotix um, for sale for $90 and thought oh, that was quite interesting, Andy will get a wee kick out of this. So That's I sent him a message about it and Andy being the kind of eagle-eyed collector that he is, immediately replies back saying, you need to buy that. <laughs> <laughs> apparently get a pretty good price on it but now that I've given it and I've seen the, like how Andy's face lights up by seeing it in the box I don't know if I want to sell it well I'll tell you what it's, it's not as rare as the PAL version the PAL version 32x you'd be lucky if there's a thousand in Scotland man you'd be lucky um, so it's very very hard to get a PAL version but you know what the stateside version the NTSE version whatever you want to call it is nearly just as good man I've got it here and for the first time ever I've actually managed to hold in my hand a copy of Knuckles Chaotix. Andy's been covering this thing like it's the fucking one ring. Like it's, <laughs> it's hardly been at his fucking hands. I mean, it, I mean, I was saying, yeah, the only time I've ever seen a physical copy was back in 1995 and it just came out. 
uh, Beaties and Clyde Bank. Shout out to Beaties. Shout out to Beaties, which uh, has not been there for God knows how long. I remember looking at it and thinking, fucking hell, that's so out of reach. And here I sit, fucking 13 years later, wrong side of 30, and I've got it in my hand. So, Mick, all I can say is thank you for. <laughs> oh, he's not getting yet. <laughs> we're, going to, we're going to get a 32x we're going to play it it's not going to live up to our expectations but you know what nostalgia just it was it was just the kind of like it was kind of out of reach like none of us had a 32x none of us were going to be able to get a 32x I didn't even know what a 32x was I didn't even know what a SNES was right <laughs> I had a Mega Drive and that was it and then I had a Playstation I didn't find out about things until I was older he, oh, used, the to get, he, used, he used to get in magazines that's how we knew because of the shop we, we, we knew about yep. the, the 3DO and all that because he used to get the yeah my dad's, the, uh, my dad's a news agent and got a whole load of uh, games magazines so I could loads of things like 32x to cover that I could never afford as a child <laughs> I tell you what, man. I, I know it, I, I know I'm fucking retro gamer, right? It's just gonna sound shite, but to see it, I know it's glory in front of me here. You know, it, it, it brings you a wee special feeling, man. So if any listeners out there want to donate a 32X, even just alone a 32X, that'd be fucking great. So we can get this bad boy on. If any of the four people who we are fucking related to are friends with. I, 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 honestly, think, I honestly think that. Uh, <laughs> I honestly think that if we get us going, then I'm pretty reserved just now, but I would probably cream everywhere if we got it up and running. <laughs> anyway, bringing things back <laughs> to Sonic Spinball, because we've gone on a wild tangent. Um, as I said, like it's, I can't say I'm a fan of the game, to be honest. I know Andy feels very strongly about it. I feel quite bad for, being, for disagreeing it's with subjective. him. It's subjective. It is subjective, yeah. Personally, I'm not very good at pinball. I found the game very stressful to play you can't take your eye off the ball for a, a second like you kind of you've got to nice you've point. got to oh yeah thanks um, you've got to kind of constantly be, be vigilant that you're not falling down I found the deaths quite cheap I think after the the very first sort of um, I don't know is there a technical term of the space between the flippers <laughs> like in the pinball I don't know um, after like the second one you pretty much can just fall down it's an instant game over and you're back to the start of the level um, I thought the physics were a wee bit iffy and I, I found it really difficult this is maybe me not being very good at the game I knew where I wanted to go and I couldn't get there because I didn't I wasn't able to kind of That's flip it baby. and that is <laughs> that just really frustrated me like it's it, there's not in many other styles of games where if you have a goal in mind and you persevere you can get to it and for this I, I just couldn't so yeah See, the game just think not terrible but not for me I love pinball man See if I go to a pub and there's a pinball machine I'm no half the fucker uh, the variety bar on Sucky Hall Street has an Iron Man 2 one that's pretty this cool this fucking Iron Man pops up out the middle of it you need to smash it and that great it's not I don't like Sonic Spinball do you I'm think sorry. that if you're a deaf dumb and blind kid <laughs> sure play the mean spin bar <laughs> quite possibly ah well well do you know what good thing you, if Phil was deaf I wouldn't have to put up with the music do you know what right that's fair comment. But I think if Pete Townsend wanted to write a rock opera about Sonic, he would phone you up, and Phone me for a polo station. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's, not <laughs> any, let's not get any yellow curb territory here. Yep, like, a straight red. Let's <laughs> not get any. So, it's all about opinions. It's all about opinions. I enjoyed it. But again, rose to his specs. Anybody listening to this podcast will be able to relate to that in some aspect. Well, somebody will say a game's shite. But in their eyes, it's never going to be shite. So I take your comment on board, but Sonic's been more still the fucking ball with me. So just just very briefly, Mick, as somebody who is quite good at pinball, I think, and quite enjoys pinball, um, number one, um, 
How do you get good at pinball? And number two, why did you not enjoy Sonic Spinball? Most people don't know how to play pinball. You just put your coins in and then start fucking about with the flippers. Like, That's kind of what I do. And I think Sonic Spinball like, has kind of taught me a little bit more about pinball, to What you were saying about like learning to stop Sonic yeah. and then sort of like hit him off different parts of the flipper. That's actually how you're supposed to play <laughs> pinball. Fair enough. Like, people don't realise this. You're supposed to be like hitting certain point, like spots for points and stuff like that. Certain uh, pinball machines, you will need to hit certain things to manipulate it to make certain things happen on the board and then you'll need to go up and hit them. Um, spinball for me, it was just, I guess, too much not pinball, or like, I don't know. Because <laughs> like, like, the, um, like, I was a bit thrown because you expect Sonic to control like Sonic, but he doesn't uh, like he doesn't move very well, and there is a bit of platforming that's quite frustrating. So, I like that. See, I've, I like I've, the idea, but I, I don't think it worked. I'm, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a pinball loser to the degree where I have like pinball on the PS4, like you can download different tables and stuff like that, and just play it with like the L and R buttons. Um, and pinball simulators, getting pretty sophisticated, boys. It feels you feel the weight of the ball, like it moves like it should. Sonic does not move like a pinball. How long we got left? I need a hose, man. Um, well, we can wrap up. Uh, we've we've pretty much done twenty minutes per. Uh, unless we want any fucking final thoughts. Oh, we also need to reveal what our picks for next time are going to be to each other. Um, so it's now my turn to gift the game to Andy Mack and I will be gifting him the absolute classic Mega Man X okay. for the Super Nintendo. Well, we looked at your SNES classic and you'd only played it for eight minutes, right? So you've I think not, that counts. You've not played it. I think that counts. <laughs> I'm happy to take that challenge on board. There you go. Right, you want to do me now? Yep. Do okay. me, big boy. Right, now, <laughs> this game is a bit of a curveball, but we were talking about, you know, we're getting to the scary period of Halloween. Yes! Uh, yes! So I love spooky shit. Run. Remember I said I like ghost trains? We're going to do a game for yourself. Are you going to give me Night Trap? Because fuck <laughs> off you are. What am I stealing my fucking <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> no. Night Trap! You were saying you were going to give him Night Trap and I was like, ha ha, that'll be hilarious. Night. He really won't like that. Ah, oh, I'm so relieved. Night Trap, right? No. And this know about Night Trap, trap actually found its way. No, no, no. This, we're saving it for next time. Save man. it for we, next time. We will get deep into why Night Trap Put it, um, way, it created the fucking Night Age trap, system. Night Trap got countless queens grounded in the 90s, man, right? Because, eh... Uh, it's apparent. Apparently, it showed the rape a woman in that. But I watch it. We 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 will be getting into the fucking jugular of that fucking particular. You're right, like I personally can't wait. Good luck. Um, good luck emulating the fucking thing. Uh, my brother has got it. I don't think he's got the console to play. Oh, in fact, there was a port. There's a port. Really, aye. There's a port. For Windows. I can't remember what for listeners, but there's a port. Your man Mick here will be playing Night Trap. www.agmu.com <laughs> <laughs> Right, uh, for McCormick, uh, you gifted Andy a big hitter. I'm going to gift you what I would tell also a fucking big hitter, right? Okay. You gave me, we were talking about a Mega Drive, thin on the ground with RPGs. Yep. Have a bit of fucking Shining Force 2. Oh, nice! Yeah, put that, that your, your, game, yeah, yeah. Yeah. put that in your pick. Because you've played it, you've played it for hours. Shining Force 2. Can I give you a game you've already played? That is yeah. fantastic. See, Shining Force, right? I fucking, I got that games. They're terrible, they're terrible, but it's like sort of a compilation of the weekends, right? Terrible sound emulation. Terrible everything, but fucking Shining Force on it was brilliant. It came through all the transgressions that that games gave it. 
and I'll tell you about what an experience it was. A tactical RPG. I didn't know such a thing existed. I are so lucky, man. I've, I've got a little chubby for the Shining Force series, so we'll be getting fucking right into them. Getting toys and that. Go right and about I dug eating beetroot, son. absolutely love tactical RPGs. I've logged more hours than I care to admit so on Final Fantasy Tactics, so this is yes. going to be great. I was yes. going to say that. I remember you, your Game Boy Advance, one of the first people I knew to have one. <laughs> yes. And I remember you playing... Uh, Final uh, Fantasy Tactics I Advance. Would, I would be sitting on... Your Computer and you would be playing uh, Final Fantasy Tactics. And they was looking at porn. This was the appointment direct connect just came out. And my mind was blown, man. You could actually download like fucking soundtracks for Sonic R and all that shit. This was great, and he's in the background playing Final Fantasy Tactics. Well, I was addicted, it's amazing, and unfairly maligned in my opinion, but again, that's moved for another episode. Well, there we go, boys. Fucking well played, that. We can wrap it up there. Yep. Yep. And it's a good chance I pumped you more. Dynamite and Eddie. See you guys later. <laughs>